You are listening to the Life Church podcast. To learn more about Life Church, our gathering times at any of our central Indiana locations, or our Life Crew online, visit us at lifechurchin.com or follow the link in the description. Today's talk is from Pastor Mike Melito. The gift of hope today, we're in Romans chapter 10 again, and Luke chapter 2 um, will be in a few other passages as well. But uh, we've been talking about this. This is our third week, uh, the gift of hope. And we talked about the gift of hope for our home and the gift of hope for our town last week. And, and, we, and we talked a little bit about what, a ta- what our town really is because we don't necessarily live in towns like they did back in the day. Some people do, but not around here. Like, we've got a lot of towns and we go, you know, we have, we prefer certain chains, restaurant chains in certain towns, like that Starbucks is better than that Starbucks. And you know what I'm talking about, right? But our town is our sphere of influence, our family, our friends, those we talk to on social media, our church. That's our town. And we said that the gift of hope, the gift of Jesus is for our town. And we need to bring that gift to our town. And today we're really going to get to a point where we're just going to finally just say it, that the Christmas story is actually a great commission story. It's a great commission story. And so uh, we're going to turn to Romans chapter 10, and we're going to read uh, the uh, verses 8 through 15, and let me kind of break it down a little bit more today um, in light of that. Verse 8, this is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame, since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And Jesus brought good news of great joy for all people. Amen? And the body of Christ is doing this today. We are doing this. The food pantry yesterday is an example of doing that for our town. And that's one of the reasons why we love doing that. We love it because it has an impact right here where we are. And how many know the light is needed here? In Indianapolis and all the donut towns, we need to be bringing it to our town. And all the stories that happen and things like the food pantry, we're, we're doing that now. So when we bring the good news, the Bible says here that beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. What I want you to start to understand a little bit is you, that, that verse applies to you both directly and somewhat indirectly, but in heaven, you're going to notice it the same either way. What I mean is you should be having beautiful feet because you should be bringing good news to someone else, you personally. But when we send somebody, like Paul's saying, how couldn't they go if they're not sent? When we send someone, that is also in part about our feet. We may not be walking in India or Cambodia or any of these other places, but we're sending someone with the good news. And how beautiful our life becomes 
when our life becomes about something outside of ourselves, much bigger than ourselves, and more important than just adorning ourselves. Amen? And so he says it's good news, great joy for all people, and he says how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Now let, let's read the Christmas story and drill down into this good news. In the same way, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Say good news. Great joy. All people. Just commit it to memory. Good news, great joy, all people. Today in the city of David was born, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will see a baby wrapped tightly in cloth, laying in a manger. So we get to, get to come to a place where last week, I don't know if you remember this, we talked about what it might have been like to be the shepherds. And if you weren't here, you need to go back and listen to it because the story about the Northern Lights was just excellent. Is Donya in here? You weren't in here last week. I told them about how I woke you up at 3 a.m. to tell you about the time I saw the Northern Lights. Do you remember that? Yes. And, pardon me? You told me it was aliens. Well, I, but <laughs> I didn't share that part. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't share that part. I, <laughs> so, but yeah, I didn't know what it was, okay? Uh, but <laughs> when you don't know, you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. Okay. But in some ways, that was in some ways similar, especially since now you know what I thought it was, uh, to what the shepherds might have been feeling like. They were receiving good news of great joy, and this is the news that is ta they're talking, Paul's talking about in Romans, it says, if you believe that news in your heart that Jesus is your Savior, that he was rose, risen from the grave, and you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. That's the good news that's coming. And I love that passage. I love this, all of this, because it's really the gospel in the simplest form. Confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that he's raised from the dead, and you'll be saved. That's it. You don't have to go through growth track, although I would like you to go through growth track, please, that there's other purposes for that. You don't necessarily even have to be baptized. There are some p churches that, that would teach you you have to be baptized. I would say this. If you have an opportunity to be baptized, you definitely should be baptized because Jesus was baptized. And if you haven't been baptized yet, you need to get baptized. But that's not what it says here. It says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Believe is a verb. It's a verb. Somehow that verse or this concept, believe and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. In the simplicity of that, somehow some, and, and maybe some here, have in their minds taken advantage of that, or maybe not even realized they've taken advantage of that, because kind of we live the way we want to live. We make the choices we want to make, whether God wants them or not, and we say, oh, it's okay, because I still believe. Like, I believe in him, so that's what it says I need to be saved. But believe is a verb. It insinuates action. 
There's actions to what we believe. If I, if I come into this room and it's dark and I need to turn on a light and I believe if I push, push this switch, light will come on, guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna turn the light on. That there's belief involved in that, right? So you could say you believe in anything you want to say you believe in, but your actions will actually tell the world what you believe in. That going back to, you don't need to be baptized to be saved. You don't need that. But if you believe in the gospel, you believe in Jesus and you're following Jesus, you will get baptized. You will. There's actions that follow that. It's a, there's a scary notion that people sometimes put up as defense, and, and I've done this too, I and mean, maybe you have, but you, you get caught doing something, or you know, somebody's got an opinion about you know, the way you're doing something, and, you, and we put up our hands, you know what? God knows my heart. You don't know my heart. God knows my heart. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Here's, here's the terrifying thing. He does know your heart. He does. He does know our hearts, Right? And, and one, one part of the Bible says, and it's, your heart is desperately wicked. And you're like, Pastor, I don't need the Bible to tell me that. I already know. Like, I'm prone to self-destruction. But he does see your heart. And that is, in one way, terrifying. But in another way, it just makes the good news that much better. Because even though he sees in your heart what he sees in your heart, he still came, he still died, he still resurrected, and he's still good news for you. But that would affect, that belief would affect what you do. My favorite, you know, here it is in my, my nerdy quote, but my favorite quote from one of the Batman movies is, it's not who you are on the inside, but what you do that defines you. I love that quote because that's what I'm trying to say here is, yes, believe in your heart, but that means something. That should mean something about the way that you live your life. If you're so moved by the good news, then be moved, right? Believe in your heart. It's a revolutionary message for Paul, for Paul to be saying this in Romans. Because at that time, there were Jewish people who believed that the gospel was just for ethnically Jewish people. They didn't want Gentiles to be a part of it. They didn't want those of us who are not Jewish to, to come in and, and contaminate their culture, so to speak, but Paul's saying, no, there's no difference between Jew and Greek. This is for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord to be saved. Not everybody liked Paul for saying that. It was revolutionary. But he's saying everyone, everywhere, all people can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. The passage clear, lays out the clear logic and the direct mandate of the Great Commission. And this is why I'm saying the Christmas story is a great commission story. The great commission, Matthew 28, verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and remember I am with you always to the end of the age. This is our mandate. It's our mission. Jesus, here, near, and far, all nations, all people, everyone, Everywhere needs to see the light of Jesus. And Romans 10 lines it out for us. They've got to hear. Someone's got to tell. Someone's got to send the person who's going to tell, right? How, how else does this happen? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news? You know, uh, marketing research, billions of dollars, co companies the world over, 
have spent billions of dollars doing market research to try to figure out human behavior and what's going to get you to do what they want you to do. What's going to get you in the restaurant? What's going to get you to buy my brand? What's going to get you to want this thing? They spend billions of dollars. Um, and they come to the same conclusion that we already really know. And the Bible actually is talking about here. Unless someone tells you about it, you won't know about it. <laughs> That's profound, right? Unless someone tells you about it, you won't know about it. Seriously, word of mouth trumps any billboard, radio, TV ad, internet ad, posters, handouts. They will never be as effective as, effective as word of mouth. In fact, there was one study that said that 92% of people trust, trusted recommendations from friends and family above all other forms of advertising when making a purchasing decision. 92% listen to that above all other advertising when making a decision. How much more could that be true when we're talking about making a decision of giving your life to Jesus? We could have all the Christian radio stations. We could put out all the ads. We could put out banners. We can give you invites. We could do all those things, and we do them. Why? Because they're good. They're good reminders. We want that to be in people's, um, uh, on their dashboard, so to speak. But Nothing inspires another human being to say, oh yeah, I want to live for that Jesus than hearing about the difference he's made in your life. Like, why should I even care about this? Oh, because you mean you believe this? And yeah, your life's not been a cakewalk, but you're not alone? That's, what, that's part of the good news. You're not alone and when you share good news, you're helping other people know they're not alone. But it's word of mouth above all advertising. One great example of this, I was trying to think about this. There are certain brands or certain restaurants that have done really well that I really can't remember ever seeing a commercial for. Five Guys, anybody like Five Guys? Five Guys Burgers, arguably one of the best burgers you can get. You know, don't, you know, if you've got a strong opinion about somewhere else, don't get mad or anything. But Five Guys is, is you know, whether you, have go, you like it or not, it's wildly popular. In fact, I remember when I lived in Evansville at the time, and they didn't have Five Guys. And so we could only get Five Guys when we came up to Indianapolis. And it was always kind of a thing, because I really like burgers, okay? Is that so wrong? But um, <laughs> news got out. I really don't remember how news got out. At first, it sounded like a rumor. Oh, we're getting a Five Guys. We're getting a Five Guys. No way. And I didn't see it on TV. I didn't see an ad about it. I didn't hear an ad about it. But the day they opened, there was a line to get in. And you believe it, I was in that line. <laughs> I was in that line. <laughs> okay. But not a single commercial. And they've had nationwide success. Huge. Why? Because of word of mouth. Someone once told me, I think it was actually Pastor Josh Sousa, who used to be our Fisher's Campus pastor, who said, oh, he said something about, you know, said, oh, we're going to go to Five Guys. And I was like, what's Five Guys? He's like, you don't know Five Guys? Oh, man, you got to have Five Guys. Okay, Josh, or, you know, whatever. And sure enough, I had it, and now I understood his enthusiasm for it, right? And my point is this. That's all word of mouth, Right? 
As far as I know, some of you are going to Google this and fact check me. I didn't Google it. But me personally, I never remember seeing one single advertisement about that place. It was word of mouth from my friends. And then some of my friends who never heard about it heard about it from me. And they all, you know, we got them all hooked on cheeseburgers from Five Guys. The same is true, but it's exponentially more important with Jesus. How beautiful are the feet of those who brought me the news of five guys. <laughs> Probably not. I don't know. Thankfully, we all wear shoes. It's how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news that everyone's welcome. And our challenge today is everyone's welcome, but not everyone knows. The word, good, the, the, the word in the Greek used for good news when the angels were talking to the shepherds is euangelion. There's a million ways to pronounce it. That's how I'm pronouncing it today. Euangelion, that, was, that, meant good, that means now good news. It did not always mean good news. I don't know if you knew that or not. It actually uh, really was more about an important or a weighty piece of information that was coming at news, normally from royalty. And a lot of times it was not good news. It was like the king's coming, he doesn't like what you've been doing, heads are gonna roll, something like that. It was, that was kind of, yeah, that was euangelion before Jesus came. And I think it's quite remarkable that after Jesus arrives in the world, then that word takes on a different meaning. This is good news from a king. Jesus put the good in the good news. He did that because it wasn't, that word didn't even mean good news before he came. But now that's all anybody ever says in the New Testament. And it's not just us doing that. If you study the scriptures and you study the history, that's what anyone would tell you that word means. But it didn't mean that until Jesus came. Isn't that remarkable? We can't not experience good news apart from Jesus, right? And this is right around when they're being told not to be afraid, right? But it wasn't just the fear of seeing angels. Like, that, that would make me afraid. Like, you know, seeing angels showing up, that would scare me. But it was also, hey, don't be afraid of what you're about to hear. Right? Because why are they here? What are they going to say? What are they here to do? Because, you know, back in the day, euangelion was more of an announcement like, hey, the king's coming. He doesn't like what you're doing. Heads are going to roll. What are these angels about to say? And they say, don't be afraid. It's good news. It's good news of great joy. And the word there is kara, inner gladness, delight, or rejoicing, a deep and abiding inner rejoicing which is promised to those who abide in Christ. Not the same as happiness. Not the same as happiness. Happiness is a feeling that's tied to circumstances, right? You all know it. I'm gonna try really hard this year, but I'm not very happy during wintertime. It's tied to circumstances, right? Do I have joy in the wintertime? Absolutely. And you're like, Pastor Mike, you need to let that joy come through a little more during the wintertime. <laughs> Just watch me as the calendar progresses. The closer we get to spring and the further from winter, more joy comes out. But anyways, 
But it's not the same. It's t- happiness is tied to circumstances. Joy is deeper than that. Happiness is a feeling. Joy is an emotion. It's experienced from the inside out. Martin Lloyd-Jones said it this way, joy is something very deep and profound, something that affects the whole and entire personality. In other words, it comes to this. There is only one thing that could give true joy, and that is contemplation of the Lord Jesus Christ. He satisfies my mind. He satisfies my emotions. He satisfies my every desire. He and his great salvation include the whole personality and nothing less. And in him, I am complete. Joy, in other words, is the response and the reaction of the soul to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Joy. Great joy. And the angels tell them, I have good news. We have good news, great joy. Now go tell other people. The Christmas story. A great commission story. It's not just good news for you shepherds. It's not just good news for Bethlehem. It's not just good news for a language group, so to speak. It's not just good news for Israel. And it isn't like secret good news for select people from the beginning, from the first declaration of Jesus that we're seeing here, his arrival on earth, this news was meant to be shared. There was a message I did years ago, um, and some of you may have heard similar messages, but I talked about the difference between channels and wells of water, or sitting water. And when you have water that just sits, it becomes murky. Mosquitoes come. We used to live right next to, you know, pretty close to a swamp, believe it or not, in Massachusetts. And the mosquitoes were so bad that the city and the town would come every two weeks and fog our yard for us because they were so bad. Because why? There was so much sitting water. Sitting water doesn't do well. But when you have channels and the water's moving and it's going places and it's not just accumulating H2O for itself, it stays fresh. It washes things away. It does something different than sitting water, right? The same is true for the good news of Jesus Christ. If all you do your whole life is receive that for yourself and seek it out for yourself or just be satisfied with where you are for yourself, It gets stagnant, and some of you have experienced this. It gets just stale, and you're like, "How, Pastor Mike, how how does Jesus get stale? No, he never gets stale. We get stale because we're just sitting there. But when we, instead of becoming a puddle or a well, decide, no, I want to be a channel. I want to be a channel for his news to flow, not just to me, but through me to other people. When we do that, that's when the presence of God, that's when the good news just washes over our life constantly because we're a channel and he's going to continue to fill us as we empty ourselves for others. You stay fresh, you stay clean, it moves things, it smooths things over. All those things happen when you're a channel and not a well. And in a lot of ways, and I'm not a doctor, so don't, don't go, you know, uh, taking my advice as a medical doctor, because that's not what I'm saying. But for a lot of us that wrestle with depression, the cure for that is the outward focus to become a channel and not a well. 
just to put that out there for you. Because once you do that, once you gain that outward focus and you, and you share those things that God has done, you share those things, you share by going to the food pantry, but then you share at the workplace when someone's hurting and you go out on a limb and say, hey, can I pray for you? You, you, when you share from what God has given you so that someone could do that somewhere else, that's, you're a channel. You're a channel. For everything that God does in your life, everything God does for you, and everything God gives to you, if you let that flow through your life rather than accumulate it, you're gonna be a lot better off. It, it's just, that's just the way it is. And that's, it's, it's kind of part of God's design. That's why we have a great commission. Because people need word of mouth testimony, your testimony of what God has done in your life. You say, Pastor Mike, I don't know really how to share. Well, start to think about what God's done in your life. And if you come up blank, then maybe you just need to give your life to Jesus today. <laughs> just putting that out there. Because... When you do that, the longer you live for him, the easier it is to identify his blessings in your life. And those blessings are for you, but they're not just for you. They're for the people you share them with. They're for the people who are gonna come to the Lord because of what he's done in you and through you. And we want you to be able to do that here, near, and far. That's kingdom builders, here, near and far, and that's what the Christmas miracle gift is all about. It's about the Great Commission. I had a professor in college, he talked about the Great Commission, and, and his, um, it wasn't really a soapbox, he really, he fully believed this, and I have come to believe this as well, that the Great Commission is something God's called us to do simultaneously. He says God calls everybody to the simultaneous fulfillment of the Great Commission. It's not, you know, that you would take, it to, take the gospel here, and then when you're done with here, then you go near, and then you go far. No, all of those things are happening at the same time. And that sounds mind-boggling, but with God, nothing's impossible. And he wants to use you to fulfill the Great Commission every, for everyone everywhere at the same time. He's got people that you need to talk to, you need to share your story with. He's got uh, people here coming in the next year that might actually need help with their bills or something, and he may have blessed you in a way that you can give to this that it will be a blessing to them. That's the here part. There's people, and, and you know this, many of us here maybe, that, that don't have health insurance and maybe can't get health insurance, but we have uh, God-loving doctors who are putting, this, uh, putting themselves on the line and sacrificing everything to, to make this agape wellness clinic so that not only can they get the care that they need, but they can also get the spiritual care they need, and it's coming from someone who believes in Jesus. And I, I'm not, I don't know, like I have a doctor right now, I don't know if he believes in Jesus. We haven't had that talk yet. But there's a big difference when you're receiving care from someone who believes in Jesus. I remember years ago, uh, I, I had this crazy pain in my side, and uh, we ate at Moe's uh, Burritos that day, and, and I got so sick, and I didn't know what was going on, and then a fever broke, and it was really where my parents were visiting us in, in Bloomington uh, from Chicago at the time, and I ended up having to go to the hospital, and it was my appendix. And so the doctor comes in, and I remember, doctors ask questions like this, and I think, why are you asking me this? 
You're the doctor, right? He says, you know, we can do this, how they call it, laparoscopically, kind of like with lasers and just kind of go in there. But he said, I really feel like we'll do a more thorough job and we won't have to come back to this issue if you just decide to let me do it the old-fashioned way. What, what do you think? What's the, what's the, I, so, so then I, you know, I just engaged. I was like, so what's the uh, pros and cons, you know? He said, well, for one, you, I, I think I can deal with it better, but you're gonna have more of a scar that way. And I'm like, I'm a guy, scars are cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, you remember that scene in Jaws where they're all comparing their scars? Yeah, look at this one. Uh, I can make up a story, but it was just my appendix. But, <laughs> but, but why, Pastor Mike, why are we talking about this? Right before they started administering the anesthetic drugs that were gonna knock me out, he said, hey, would you mind if I prayed for you before we do this? I couldn't believe it. I'd never had a doctor say that in my life. But the minute he said that, all anxiety about what was about to happen fled. This guy loves the Lord. And we're gonna pray and God is gonna help him because I know God's got more to do in my life so I'm not gonna die, <laughs> right? And we've got this clinic now that is affordable and we'll have doctors who love the Lord that will pray with their patients. Some of you may become direct beneficiaries of that and I pray if that's a need for your life, you would. Because it's mobile, it's in, a, it's in an RV and it's visiting all of our campuses. It was here for light the night. But that's the good news coming in a really good way right? And then we've got this home in Cambodia. Could you imagine you've had an orphanage there for 30 years? 30 years, and all of a sudden, a mob comes there and kicks you out because they want to build a casino? That's literally what they're putting there, where there was this orphanage where kids were welcomed and cared for, and the gospel was given to them, and they came up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. They get kicked out for a casino. And they, they, right now, they don't have a permanent place to stay. We've got property. We want to build it for them, and that's going to come from this offering. But also... They have to be cared for during this offering. And they, they've, they've kind of worked out the budget and the expenses. $799 can provide clothing and three meals a day for a whole year for one of those orphans. And you say, Pastor Mike, that's not necessarily preaching the gospel. Uh, it's demonstrating the gospel. What good is it for me to share the gospel with somebody who's starving if I don't feed them? We're, we're also gonna be, we also support homes that Project Rescue is starting, new homes Project Rescue is starting. How can we preach the gospel to a young lady that is caught up in human trafficking unless we also rescue her from being trafficked? This is all about the good news of great joy for all people. There's people, you, we talked about deep darkness after worship. There's people in deeper darkness than any of us can imagine who have no access to the gospel unless we send somebody, right? Good news, great joy, all people. The Christmas story is a great commission story and all of us not just the professional pastors, 
missionaries, all of us are called to the simultaneous fulfillment of the Great Commission. Let's pray. Jesus, you, you are the good news. You are the good news of great joy. Because you came, Emmanuel, we're not alone. And thank you that we know that, that we can know that, that we can know you. Father, we need to help other people know that. So this morning as we pray and we take time to reflect, move and speak to our hearts and let us know what it is you want us to do. In a moment, we're gonna receive this Christmas miracle gift offering. First, we're gonna have a time of prayer. And we're gonna invite people up for prayer if they want to have prayer. I'm gonna ask you this. At some point between now and then, I want you to ask God, God, what would you have me do? And that's it. And then whatever he puts in your heart, that's what you need to do. You need to do that. I will tell you, with God, it always takes faith. It always takes faith. I believe at this moment, we've already had a certain amount come in, but I don't remember the actual figure. But every dollar that we give will be matched. And I'm asking you to ask the Lord, what would you have me to do, and then do it. And I'm not asking you to do anything that I'm not doing. Donya and I talked about it. We gave $1,000, and we might give more before the end of the year. You said, Pastor Mike, why are you telling me that? I'm just, I want you to know, I'm not asking you to do anything I, I'm not doing. And although that cut into our Christmas budget quite a bit, I know one thing, I will never, we will never regret doing that, ever. We will never regret doing that. I might regret some of the junk I would buy for Christmas, but I will never regret that. Why? Because of what it's accomplishing. Right? It's so much more than what a gift could be, a, 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 an object could be uh, at home or, or whatever else. There's no regretting this. And then when we finally get to eternity, there's a million things we might look back and go, I really regret using my resources and my life that way. It could have done so much more. Those kinds of things we'll regret, but we'll never, ever regret giving to God so someone could know the good news, ever. In fact, that's part of what will make heaven heaven. We, we may meet some people from Cambodia some women from India. We may meet some of the people that we served groceries to and prayed for, and they might say to us in heaven, you probably don't remember me, but you prayed for me in the parking lot at Eagle Creek, and I'm here today because of it. And there will be people, you probably, you don't know me, but a missionary came, but an orphanage was built, but I was rescued and the Lord showed me all the different people that helped make that happen, and you were one of them. You won't regret it in that moment.
So I'm asking you in this time where we're going to pray for one another, pray and ask God, what would you have me do? And then do it. Amen? Let's stand together. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us, share with a friend, and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Our mission is simple. Come to life, connect to grow, find your purpose, make a difference. Thanks for listening to the Life Church Podcast.